Hey everyone, it's Harmon. Welcome to another episode of Comedy History 101. We have a special two-part episode for you today. Well, part one is today on the history of Mad Magazine. Now, the catalyst for this story, I recently did an article for Observer.com where I interviewed longtime writer slash editor of Mad Magazine, Joe Rayolo. And you can, again, read that on the Observer.com. And also, before we jump into the episode, a quick plug. I have a brand new book coming out. It's called Tribe Spotting Undercover Culture Stories. It's all about my exploits going undercover and exploring the phenomenon of cultural tribalism. You can pre-order the book on Amazon.com. And without further ado... You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. Alfred E. Newman actually is an old, old print. We didn't create Alfred E. Newman. But <laughs> the truth of the matter is that he was created in the 1890s. And the earliest use we found of him was as an advertisement for a painless dentist in Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> And the guy's name was Painless Romaine. And he had a picture of Alfred with the tooth missing, and the legend was it didn't hurt a bit. So what you heard there was a clip from the legendary magazine publisher, William M. Gaines, talking about the origin of Alfred E. Newman. Uh, William Gaines would know this because he was the legendary publisher of Mad Magazine, which brings you to another episode of Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. I, of course, am Harmon Leon, and with me, as always, Scott Kalanico. Scott, how are you enjoying the summer here? Oh, I'm, I'm enjoying it great over here across the pond in, uh, in Berlin. It's going well. Do you read this in the Berlin uh, newspaper? What is it, the Berlin Times or Berlin the Berlin Times, Gazette? Yeah, the Berlin. The Ber- or Berlin has War. has it has it already folded? Because uh, the the story we're going to tell today is also about the decline of uh, print publications. But sadly, Mad Magazine. Uh, the legendary satirical voice in America, Mad Magazine, I, I just want to add, is folding after 67 years in business. That's There'll sad. be no more, no more Mad, Mad Magazine. Uh, last issue comes out in August. Collector's issue. That's right. Uh, so have you heard about that? And what, in your mind, what is Mad Magazine for, uh, just to bring everyone up to date? Mad Magazine is kind of a, it was, no, it's kind of, it was a humor magazine. It was in the past tense, as of next month. Is, uh, is, is, is. It still is. It still is. Yeah. <laughs> it is a humor magazine. But it's, what if somebody's listening to this like in three weeks? Then I'll say was. But it is a humor magazine. Uh, started in the 1950s. Uh, actually, it was started from a, um, a famous uh, comic book publisher. E.C. E- 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 Comics. E.C. E- Comics. E- C- Comics. Yeah. Con- 1952. Continued on into the present day and uh, home to uh, some legendary writers and... Uh, Good people, good arts. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I wrote this article in the New York Observer, and I got a chance to talk with Joe Rayola, who was not only a writer, but also an editor at Mad Magazine for 33 years, which is uh, 
quite impressive because uh, what, 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 what's Mad's uh, place in our cultural lexicon, would you say? Well, it was a place for satire. It's where a, kid, a lot of kids, including yourself, yours truly, kind of first learned about satire and parody. You know, the Mad Magazine movie parodies they would always do. That was kind of the thing. That was, like, that was kind of the way you could go watch the movie without having to see the movie. Yeah, especially when you were a kid and it was R-rated. Yeah, exactly. And I would say that the Mad Voice, well, I mean, I think it's pretty well documented that the, the Mad Voice went on to influence the likes of uh, Stephen Colbert, Judge Apatow. Um, I read that Roger Ebert got into movie reviewing after reading Mad Magazine because Mad kind of exposed sort of the cliches and, 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 and inner workings of, of movies. So that was like one of his influences to get into Mad Magazine. Uh, punk rock icon Patti Smith said, uh, you know, uh, after something to the effect of like after Mad, drugs were nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Terry Gilliam said, uh, you know, was, was inspired by Mad Magazine. Um, I don't know. Should we find the direct quote? Uh, we'll will know it's something praising of mad <laughs> okay yeah so the list goes on and on of just how you know mad has influenced everything from national lampoon which we'll we'll, we'll dive into later on to uh the simpsons and the onion and and so on and so forth because it's just like truly iconic american comedian voice that came out of the 1950s mccarthy era yeah that's the craziest thing the other, the other crazy thing that I didn't know about until we were doing research for this was um, I didn't, you know, because I read it a lot when I was a kid, but then I never realized they had no advertisers. Yeah, so <laughs> in that sense also that they didn't have to bow to, you know, advertising pressure to, you know, steer their content in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, so that was good. They were always sticking it to the man. Yeah, so again, in uh, the New York Observer, I interviewed uh, Joe Rayola, um, again, 33 years of, he was there for, I mean, think of that, like 33 of the 67 years of of Mad Magazine's existence. That's like like half. half, Yeah. Almost half. Almost half. Yeah. Mad spoke to me before I even realized it was speaking to to me, you know, because I think that, I think that, that kids generally understand that the world, that people are full of shit, that, that, that kids generally know teachers are full of shit. They certainly know uh, that, that uh, clergymen are full of shit. Like I knew religion was full of shit at an early age. I mean, how could you not know that, that, that Catholicism was full of shit and, and that politicians were, you know, kids, we kind of, we, we, something in us, we knew that. But I, what I remember about about Mad is Mad kind of confirmed everything that I was thinking, but wouldn't say to anybody else. Mad confirmed, oh yes, everyone is full of shit, everyone, and you can't trust anyone, and that that was always the the driving message of Mad. It was not as people think. What me worry? That's Alfred. Uh, yeah. Mad, Mad was always question authority. Yeah, that that yeah. was that was what. So it was, okay, don't 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 me worry. And question authority, trust no one. So that that was. Um, 
illuminating for me. Uh, and was Mad the first comedy that you ever read, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I remember finding it, finding stacks of them in my friend's house. That was kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the older kids had, with their stacks of Mad Mad magazines. So it was just kind of the, one of my first exposures to comedy. Yeah. And what 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 artists do you remember uh, specifically besides the movie guys uh, in Mad? The lighter side, man. The lighter side. Oh, Dave Burton. Yeah, the lighter side of hippies. That, and of course, um, you know, the fold-ins. Those are always good. Good for a laugh. Done done by uh, Al Jaffe. Yeah. He would deli- hand-deliver them up until his retirement to the office there I was hearing. <laughs> yeah, so Al Jaffe, uh, like you said, up until 2017, uh, Al Jaffe's still alive. He is 98 years old. He would take the cab and the elevator up to the offices of Mad Magazine and hand-delivered the classic fold-ins. He'd get in a taxi, take the elevator up to the office, and would, yeah. it would bring, bring, bring in the fold-ins, and there'd be an unveiling of the fold-in, and Al would shoot the shit with us. And we always loved when Al came by because Al embodies like the history of comic books. Al was the kind of guy who would get applause just for walking into a room. <laughs> we were just always happy. We, we, we were always happy to see him. And here's a little trivia on the foldings. You might not know, Scott. Okay. Uh, the, the, how Al Jaffe created uh, the classic fold-ins, so you take it, you fold it in, and yeah. it creates like a new scene, was he was spoofing Playboy's magazine's uh, centerfold. Where oh. you, you yeah, you get it? Once again, the concept, Playboy, you fold out. Mad. Fold in. Fold it. You okay? Yep, yep. You're with me. You're with me on that one. Okay. <laughs> but again, the cast of Mad, the cast of like the people at Mad, uh, very interesting, especially the original um, Mad artists. Uh, Don Martin. Uh, how would you describe Don Martin? Uh, everybody's like really tall and thin. All his characters, but they're good. I, li- I like Don Martin a lot. And big floppy shoes. To me, the two that really exemplify what Mad Magazine uh, is is Don Martin and Spy versus Spy. Spy versus but Spy. But Don man. Martin, <laughs> Don Martin, in 1953, before he he joined Mad, uh, he did an album cover for Miles Davis. I, I think it's the 1953 album cover, Miles and His Horn. Okay, cool. Yeah, me, I think we we, we shared that. Let we'll, me let me just fact fact check that yeah. real soon, and we'll share that with the readers. Oh, yeah, so it's the 1953 album cover, Miles Davis and Horns. And the artwork, it doesn't look like uh, the classic Don Martin artwork, but um, it's pretty darn cool uh, what he did. Yeah, so uh, another famous artist was Antonio uh, Pro. Bro, he is, I, I think I've pronounced that correctly. Um, he is a Cuban artist, or was a Cuban artist. He passed away. I believe in 1987, he came from uh, like Fidel Castro era Cuba and he escaped Cuba because he was being persecuted by Castro because Castro accused him of spying uh, for the CIA. <laughs> uh, well. He accused him of being a spy. Are, are you see where I'm going on this one? Okay, he for going. the CIA. He um, was pissing off Castro. Yeah, he was he he was he, he was pissing off Castro, made his way to Florida, made his way to the Mad Office, pitched Spy versus Spy, 
which was never about race. Spy versus spy was always mm-hmm. about the the futility and insanity of war. And you know, Prohias' story is a great story. And of course, if Prohias had come to Florida these days, he just would be deported before he ever got to New York. For those who might not know Spy versus Spy, uh, how how would you describe it? Uh, it was a cartoon about um, two characters, one named a black spy and one named a white spy, who would kind of play uh, pranks on each other and uh, had all sorts of crazy Roadrunner-esque contraptions. Uh, and they answered to um, two guys covered in medals, which um, I'm tra- I was trying to find the exact name of them. Uh, they were the leaders. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the underlying message was it was sort of like a a play on the Cold War. And you just mentioned another famous mad artist, uh, Sergio Argones. Uh, He came from Mexico, I believe came up to New York in 19, either 19, roughly around 1962, 1963. Prohias was already there, wanted to pitch the mad office uh, to be a cartoonist so he used uh, Prohias as a translator. The only problem was uh, he learned that Prohias knew less English than he did. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's nice. <laughs> Joe uh, started working at MAD, I believe, it, like roughly around uh, 1984, 85. Before he started working at MAD, he, he, he was working for another iconic magazine, National Lampoon. Oh, uh, yeah, he, so he, he, he worked a couple of big ones. But here, here in Joe's words, here's how he got hired to work at Mad. You know, when you wanted the job, you'd look at the want ads in the paper. You'd look at the classified ads, and and um, Mad put an ad in the Village Voice and the New York Times that they were looking really? for that they were looking for writers. And um, I saw one of them, and my, and my pal Charlie Cadu saw the other. And we we were we were working together a lot in those days, and we said, "Hey, Mad, we should send something to Mad." So we sent stuff to Mad, and we and we sold immediately. We were in the right place at the right time. In 1985, Al Feldstein, uh-huh. who had been editor of Mad for 28 years and had taken over for Harvey Kurtzman, was retiring. Uh-huh. So it was the first editorial change in the mad staff in 28 years and we were young we were in our 20s and we were you know we were submitting you know we had a youthful view uh mad was a tough place to break into in in those days i think even harder than it was years later you know they called us into the office and 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 um nick meglin and john ficara who were the editors they Wanted to hire us, and uh, we met Gaines. And I, I mm-hmm. will never, for, I never forget the first meeting with Gaines. Gaines, 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 Gaines says um, to us, "I hear from Nick and John that you boys are very talented. I don't believe them." <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, "I would like to offer you a job." And I propose to pay you as little as possible. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Like what, what Joe said, like one of the perks of working at MAD was um, you got a 90-minute lunch. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, as he said, uh, uh, William Gaines said 60 just wasn't enough. Yeah, but another thing that was a baffling guy. So uh, uh, Joe said he was the the cheapest man in publishing, but um, once a year he would spring to have the entire staff like go to an exotic location, go to Europe. You take the whole staff, even freelancers, on this uh, like once a year team building trip abroad. Yeah, and and apparently on with the freelancers. Uh, you had to have because I started getting obsessed about the uh, the trip. Let's mm-hmm. read more about it. And apparently, at the freelancers, you had to have a certain number of pages in order to qualify mm-hmm. for the trip. And so, like Hell even yeah. long time, yeah, even long time freelancers, if they didn't write enough, they you know they wouldn't make the trip. And the and the, the phrase they use was, uh, "I didn't get enough pages for the trip." And this is another of Gaines's, you know, this insane idea. I mean, just totally yeah. insane idea that Gaines, who is known as the cheapest son of a bitch in publishing, Mad is called cheap. The magazine is cheap, 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 cheap everywhere. Gaines is cheap. He's so cheap that he 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 makes you pay for a seventeen cent phone call you made to your chiropractor in Scarsdale. He's cheap, and yet here's this guy who's known for nothing but his cheapness. Who springs for this trip is it started out as an annual trip and then became every other year. He'd bring the mad staff together, he'd bring the freelancers together. Not the staff, oh, the wow. freelance the freelancers yeah. and staff. So Al so Al Jaffe who lives in, in, in New York and and Sergio Aragones who lives in California and uh, Antonio Projas, wherever he lived, I mean Antonio I, I never I never met I never met him. He'd bring all these guys together and the staff, and he'd take them away. He'd take them to Europe. He took us to Europe. He'd, t- he'd take them on a cruise. He'd take them to some exotic place where, where free, <laughs> free. Yeah. Oh, wow. He'd pay. For, he'd yeah. pay for their pay. And and you know what? What what was that? It was a bonding experience to this group of talent yeah. that otherwise would never see each other. And, and this just and this added to the mad lore, and of course was so was so gains. It was it it it, it solidified gains as the absolutely iconoclastic, crazy publisher. Who else would do that? No one. I mean, I would just think uh, it would just be like mad in its heyday, like the editorial office um, would just be. Um, a blast just the ideas you would pitch it's like the movie star trek's coming out what if we made star black <laughs> that's always their thing but what was the black what was what was interesting they said so they they like the peak year for mad was like 74 was that they were saying yeah i think roughly 74 um they sold roughly around uh 2.4 million copies without aver- advertising yeah, that's crazy. But they also didn't. They they said like you just said uh, you're talking about William Gaines was the cheapest man 
um, and publishing. That was like the ongoing joke. And also, but the thing is, he just wouldn't like he wouldn't get into all the merchandising stuff that you would expect normal people to get into. You know, like there was until mm-hmm. towards the end, there weren't there, there wasn't. There, I mean, there was like a mad board game and stuff, but there wasn't like you know, mad. Uh, like clothing and stuff like that that you could buy, like even T-shirts. You know, back in the '60s or '70s or whatever, you think that'd be a thing. It's like now they never sold any of that stuff. Yeah, but they did in 1980 try to capitalize on Animal House with the movie Scott. Uh, what would that movie be? That was National <laughs> Lampoon's Up the Academy, starring Ralph Macchio. Wait, sorry, back up. What word did you say? Oh, I said National Lampoon's. I said Mad Magazine's Up the Academy, starring Ralph Macchio and Rod Liebman. Ron Liebman. I don't know why I know Rod Liebman was in there. Yeah, and also another crazy uh, uh, bit of trivia on that, directed by Robert Downey Sr. Uh, he was actually, he was kind of a big um, underground Indie dude. guy. Yeah, indie dude. Have you ever seen uh, um, Putney Swope? I haven't. What's that about? Oh, definitely, definitely uh, worth a watch. It's um, it's like an internal corporate company, and it's some kind of they're doing some kind of stockholders meeting, and they decide to elect uh, a black guy as head of the advertising agency. You know, mm-hmm. um, just kind of as a joke, and then he takes over the ad- advertising agency and starts doing all these like uh, black power commercials. Oh, was that was it filmed in two thousand fifteen? No, dude, this is it's from nineteen sixty something. Not not to digress. So I don't even know if this is a digression. I think this is to keep directly on target. Is they were sort of embarrassed by the Up the Academy movie. They sort of had the Alfred E. Newman character. Yeah, he was a statue. Kind of make little cameos. Yeah. and I believe they tried to eliminate. Have them like edited out in like when it got released later on. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's. Off target. I think it's right on target because I just want to bring this up. There's actually it's a pretty interesting history about the Alfred E. Newman character because from there is what, yeah, yes go from on. what I've been reading is like, so actually it was kind of a well known motif in the advertising industry like uh, all the way up back before the turn of the century all the way up through the 30s it was almost that same same exact face same haircut you know. Um, well, yeah. I can tell you exactly. It was from a Topeka, Kansas yep. dentistry <laughs> office, and the character was called Painless Romaine. Yeah, there you go. But that, or actually, I think that was the dentist's the dentist moniker was Painless Romaine, and uh, the mad-looking guy was one of the uh, 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 you know uh, customers of Painless Romaine. Yeah, there was that, and then there was also they were saying there's a, in the uh, up in your neck of the woods, the University of Minnesota Humor Magazine uh, had an, an illustration in 1923 of almost a, a, the identical character. Yeah, yeah, and what we played up front was the clip where um, Prince Charles or people were accusing that Mad was like That's taking good, Alfred man. E. Newman from uh, Prince Charles, and it wasn't. It was uh, yeah, it was uh, from the Painless Romaine ads. It was. So it I think it was back to uh, you know just American, you know satirical voice. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's one of the many sources, and that's one that Gaines says. But there's also also sources that are also fairly identical that probably went into the dental dentist ad. Yeah, and stemming right back up to just the recent months, where um, one have you heard of this man? Have you heard of this man, Scott? A one Donald J. Trump. 
I believe I'm familiar with the character, yes. Try to take a swipe at uh, Mayor Pete. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh-huh. I can never pronounce his name, and said he looks like Alfred E. Newman. Right. And uh, sadly, you know, that little sign of the times of the, 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 the kind of more recent problems with MAD was uh, Buttigieg swiped back saying, uh, I don't know who that is. I had to look it up on Google. <laughs> oh so that's a little sad. Yeah, that's, that is kind of sad. <laughs> MAD's demographics were always weird, you know, because... We had always had legions of young readers, a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. you know, teens reading Mad and younger than teens, preteens as well. But then Mad, you would tend to lose readers around college age, but then they'd come back in their 30s when they had kids yeah. themselves. So Mad had a, like a third of our readers were over 30 and two thirds mm-hmm. were, were under 20. It's a weird demographic. In the in the modern magazine world, where everything is niche, as we used to joke, Teen Rabbi. Teen Rabbi is a magazine for a very specific audience, and Mad didn't have that kind of audience. It had a very. It was. I guess Mad was one of the last, if not the last, general audience m- magazines. It appealed to a wide age group, and most of our readers were. Male, certainly. Oh but also, my. also from Mayor Pete's point of view, uh, kind of great retort. <laughs> kind, kind of what? A great retort oh, to yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the Trump, like, in his, you know, dumb bully uh, thing he does yeah, he's to everyone. Dumbass, yeah. Uh, I just want to point out that he is a motherfucker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know the if orange, I'll keep that in or not, but orange I fuck, just, uh, orange fuck pants. Uh, was that the word? Fuck, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this yeah. is, uh, this is a, a great time for mad should be a great time for mad or any sharp comedy. We had, I don't think mad in the, in the 33 years I was at mad mad was never more political and never more politically sharp than in the 2016 campaign and in the first year of the Trump presidency, which is the year, you know, I I like to point out that Rolling Stone called us the best political satire magazine in the country. This is a great time for mad humor. Unfortunately, it's not a great time for printed humor. Uh And, and that, really is listen that that probably is the thing that would have taken mad down as a magazine i mean how long will they how much further i'll get the words out there what is the future of magazines at all you know mad disappearing mad disappearing from newsstands right well newsstands are disappearing the thing about mad magazine though during the 60s it was very it was very anti-nixon it was very anti-Watergate, they would make fun of conservative America, but at the same time, they would also make fun of hippies, the hippie culture. Yeah, you know, you know, Mad in that sense, in the uh, 60s, it's very in- interesting. It, the voice of Mad in the, in the 60s was a little bit square in some way, mm-hmm. in some way. Oh, yeah. it, yeah. It, it, was, it was square and unique at the same time. For example, Mad was completely against the war. Mad was outspoken, the, the clear politics of Mad, anti-Nixon, anti-Vietnam War, and that was perfectly in line with the counterculture, right? 
But Mad was also Mad was also anti-drug, and that was that was not consistent with the counterculture at all. The uh, Mad editors couldn't tell you much about Cream or Crosby, Stills and Nash or the Strawberry Alarm Clock. They were Tin Pan Alley guys. They were older guys. Yeah, that's kind of funny, and you know that's also you know they were they're kind of like. Um, this crazy group of lovable misfits. So you got like, you know, you have like the legendary Al Jaffe and then you have like, uh, you know, Prohias, uh, you know, who escaped Fidel, Fidel Castro. Uh-huh, and then yeah. I don't know. I've never seen like Dave Berg, the lighter side, but he seemed like kind of a, just a, kind of a square yeah, he, in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> But that was, uh, again, that was part of, like, the Mads demographic, uh, as as Joe told me, was, uh, you know, it was basically teenagers and people above 30. Yeah. Because um, you'd, you'd read it as a teenager and as a kid, and then you'd come back to it when you have kids. Yeah, and then, and then uh, what was um, his line about, uh, about you, that's the only place where you got, when you got mature, you got kicked out of your job, you got fired? Yeah, and and in turn he got he got promoted. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, Harmon, why just for those keeping track at home, I dug up a couple other album titles that uh, Don Martin did. So these are actually kind of interesting. Oh wow! He cool. did a, yeah. Uh, what did he do? He did a, a Stan Getz album cover, The Brothers. Holy shit! Yeah. Really? Yeah. And then also another one, probably not quite as famous, but he did one for um, Kai Kai Winding. Who uh, kind of is famous for doing the uh, theme from Mondo Kane, Mondo Kane? Oh, you <laughs> like anything with Mondo in the anything title, dude? You're you're a fan good. of. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, my friends, so 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 so, listeners of Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. That concludes part one. Of our history of Mad Magazine, we will jump back in next week. We will tell you how Mad influenced the evolution of the National Lampoon. We will cover some of the controversies Mad Magazine had over the years. And and we'll get some reflections from Joe Riola of what, you know, Mad means to him after, you know, working there for 33 years as both a writer and an editor and, and how the Mad voice will live on in our culture. And with that, it's time to plug away. Plug away. Harmon produced a movie that I worked on that I wrote and directed called Everything You Want to Know About Sudden Birth But We're Afraid to Ask, which will be playing around the United States. The next time you'll be able to see that is in Brooklyn, New York. And Harmon will be there. Harmon will be there. Hey, forget about it. Whoa, Whoa, is that Andrew Dice Clay? (laughs) So uh, (laughs) Harmon will be there. And so that'd be great if you could stop along, see it, say hi to him. And uh, it'll be at places in the future as well. Here, here, and what I have to plug away just in the short term, at the end of this month, uh, July 30th, I have a new book coming out. It's called Tribe Spotting Undercover Culture Stories. I explore and go undercover in the phenomena of cultural tribalism in America. So why not check that out on Amazon and, and read that? Um, also, you can check out all the newest stuff I, I write on the observer observer.com 
Also, a quick plug for Joe Rayola. He'll be producing the 39th annual John Lennon tribute on December 6th at Symphony Space, which you can find out more information at lennontribute.org. So, with that, we'll be back next week with part two of our history of Mad Magazine. And until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. The good thing about doing comedy in Russia is have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. Yes, ma'am, I read you loud and clear. Yes, ma'am, this is... Yes, ma'am, this is... This is the present. Hey, everyone, Scott here. You just finished our Comedy History 101 podcast. So you like comedy and history. Then you should try out our other podcast, This is the President. In every episode, I dig up some found audio from one of our presidents and play it for Harmon, who's never heard it before. Then we talk about it. From Truman to Trump, we cover all your favorite presidents and not-so-favorite ones. You can also hear Harmon sounding off about current events and the state of America today. And, if you're lucky, you might be able to catch us reading customer reviews of Trump products on Amazon. You can subscribe to This is the President on iTunes, Google Play, Last.fm, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Just search for This is the President, subscribe, and together we'll make America great again.